0: Now let me tell you, we're doing a sermon series through the book of Revelation, and uh, I didn't really expect to be uh, in this state that we're in as a world right now. And because we don't have uh, children's moments right now on the platform, and we don't have Sunday school and all that kind of stuff, Mom, Dad, I know that at some point it could become sort of a struggle for the children to, to be here and to want to be here because so much of what was their favorite stuff here... Isn't happening. And I'm very, very mindful of that. Let me say, first of all, if your kids get a little antsy in here, don't sweat it. I don't care. I'm glad they're here. This is their family and this has been hard on them. So it's important that they're in here. We've, I think we have some families that think my child's the only one that's antsy. Oh no, mine will be in the next hour. And uh, so you're not alone. So don't sweat that. But I also want everybody to know that I'm, I'm changing my preaching style, which is a, a little bit of a challenge, especially when you're preaching through Revelation. But because of the boys and girls being in this room and because I want to engage them too with God's word. My sermons are about half as long as they used to be. And all God's people said, amen. y'all better not say amen. I will come off this platform. Uh, but also I'm going to try to um, tell some stories and we're going to You know, maybe watch some movie clips and just do some creative things just to try to better hold their attention. So if you're one of those old crusty Baptists that's really super dignified, like too dignified to be in a Bible study with a seven-year-old, then you might want to find somewhere else to go to church for a while because I just want to preach and share God's Word with everybody that's in the room because we're all equally important to Jesus. Amen? Amen? Amen. Not only that, but I would like to finally hear the book of Revelation preached and taught in a way that I can understand it. All right, so y'all good with that? Hey, so, boys and girls, can I tell you a story this morning? Can I start off with that? How many boys and girls like to hear a story? little Bobby would like to hear a story. Well, last Sunday, my dad was coming through the door over here to church, and he said, hey, I bumped into a high school friend of yours this past week, and I said, oh, really, who was that? And he said, John Holt. Oh, I love John Holt, and I haven't seen John Holt in a long time, growing up at West Blockton and going to West Blockton High School. John Holt was one of the nicest guys on the entire campus, and I've got two really good stories about John Holt. One of those has to do with Halloween night, me and him and some other buddies uh, went to roll a certain teacher's yard. And um, yeah, we used to do that a lot. There's not a lot doing West Blockton. And, um, and so she busted us and, and got in her vehicle and chased us all the way to the laundromat in West Blockton, which by the way, if you want to know some personal trivia about the Frederick family, it was the laundromat in West Blockton where Miss Shannon first kissed me. <laughs> Notice how I said that. right, I can, we are live streaming though, right? So she's probably, uh, I don't know if she's watching or not. So anyway, uh, I won't tell that story of of the night we were rolling yards, but I'll tell you the story that happened on the football field. John and I uh, played football together. Now you would look at John and know he's a football player. Nobody's ever looked at me and went, dude. Dude's a football player. Nobody's ever done that. But there's this one particular day, and this happened from time to time. The coach would blow the whistle here. Hey, let's go bull in the ring. Bull in the ring, everybody. And everybody would start to shout and scream, and the adrenaline would start to flow. And bull in the ring meant everybody on the team circled up in the middle of the field. And they're jumping up and down, and they're shouting, and they're fist pumping. And the psychos on the team, are they're really excited because they're about to get to knock somebody into the middle of next week. The rest of us, our adrenaline's flowing because we're doing everything that we can to not run away screaming in fear. Y'all, I was 5'8", 135 pounds. I wasn't built to go out there and try to knock people stupid. I was the guy they were always trying to knock stupid. So this wasn't my favorite activity by no means. So we're all in this circle and everybody's jumping down and hollering and screaming. And the way bull in the circle, bull in the ring would work, is the coach would blow the whistle and two guys had to hustle out to the middle of the circle and you didn't know who might hustle out there at the same time you were hustling out there and I'm kind of looking around the ring thinking the chances of me hopping out into the ring and a guy smaller than me hopping into the ring those chances are really pretty small of that happening but I also knew the way coach did that is if he felt like you were kind of being a scaredy cat and not wanting to hop out in the ring he would come over and grab you by the back of the shoulder get out here and then he would grab the most violent person on our team then he would pair you up so you didn't want to be scared either and so i i'm watching this happen and 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 if you're looking at this it's like a violent mob is about to take over the streets of west blockton and and i i I watched a couple of guys do this and i just knew you got to do it you got to do it you just got to take the plunge and so he blows the whistle and i jumped out there and i got down in my three-point stance and i'm down there in my stance and just right here in my eyesight i see this huge foot probably about a size 13 plopped down. My first thought was, okay, there is a guy on our team that broke his leg. One of our big guys has a broken leg. Maybe broke leg guy came out (laughs) into the ring, and I'm going to get to take on broke leg guy. Broke leg guy's coming at me. I got a fighting chance at this. And so I kind of look up, and it's not broke leg guy. It's John Holt, a.k.a. Big John Holt. And John was super nice on campus, but on the football field, he was a totally different person. I'm pretty sure, Jeff, that there is a quarterback at Briarwood who's been trying to get up off the ground since 1991. That's how hard John hit him on that night. And so here we are, and it's me and Big John Holt. And so the whistle blows, and fear does a lot to a person. Uh, It can make a person move really fast. And apparently it made me move really super fast toward John, actually, surprisingly, And what happened next is sort of a blur. I don't really remember it too well. I remember there was a big collision. I remember at some point I'm in the air. And then I remember there's a big landing back on planet Earth. I felt that thud. But this is true. When the dust settled, John is on the flat of his back, and I'm on top of him. And we're just looking at each other, surprised eye to eye. Now, looking back on that, I kind of wonder, maybe John was far nicer a guy than I even knew, right? Maybe he just threw that, or maybe I got lucky. I'm not sure, but what happened next, I'll never forget. I remember all my teammates were going crazy, hollering, and screaming, and jumping up and down, and then my, my football coach that has had just a huge impact on my life. Just one of those guys. He comes running across the ring. That's what I'm talking about! That's what I'm talking about! And he grabs me up, and he picks me up, and my feet are dangling. That's what I'm talking about! Ah!" And it was huge. And you know that left an impression. 30 years later, I still remember that so vividly. But today, what I want to say to you is that what I'm looking forward to, and what I pray will happen in my life, is that there's going to be a day that Jesus himself, with nail-scarred hands, comes running over to me going, that's what I'm talking about! That's what I'm talking about! And picks me up and says, well done, good and faithful servant. And even more than that, that as your pastor, I'm standing there one day when I see him running over to Grace Life. And he says, Grace Life! That is what I'm talking about! That is what I'm talking about! So we're in Revelation 2 and 3 today again. We're kind of taking that panoramic view of those seven churches. And what I want us to see today is, what is it that Jesus runs to those churches and applauds about? What is it that he brings his nail-scarred hands together in celebration for those churches? To me, that's important we know that. Because I think there's a lot of people in this room who want to be a part of a church like that. Who want to give their life to a local body of believers that would live and walk by faith in such a way that Jesus would give His applause. Undeserved as it will be. That He would give it to us. So what's happening in Revelation 2 and 3 here? Well, I want you to be reminded the church here in the first century, they... They were against the whole world. The whole world was against them. Satan himself was against them. They were being persecuted. They were being arrested. They were dying for their faith. In the middle of that, Jesus is running to them in Revelation 2 and 3. And he's seeing things that he's going, yes, yes. I know this is not easy. And I know you're suffering. And I know there's trials. And I know there's hardships. But I see this in you. And I applaud that. And what is it? That Jesus sees. That's what we want to be about. Grace Life, I think we can all agree that Grace Life is not in this for the applause of the world. We're not in it for the approval of the world, but for the one who saved us and redeemed us and called us and made us his own. It's his applause and his applause only that ought to matter to us as a church and to us as individuals. So, what is it that he's applauding for? Number one, I'll give you four things. You ready? Number one, Jesus applauds a church that works hard for God. He applauds a church that works hard for God. Notice to the church at Ephesus, Jesus says, chapter 2, verse 2, I know your works, your toil. The word toil there in the Greek is the word karos. It has the idea to labor diligently to the point of exhaustion and sweat. Jesus says to this church at Ephesus, I know you're working hard for God like that. To the point of exhaustion. I know it's not easy. I know the, the deck is stacked up against you. But you are toiling. You are laboring. The church of Ephesus was in a tough city. It was a place where false gods were worshipped on every corner. Obscene things were taking place in their world 24-7. And yet, in the middle of all of that, these people were working hard for God. Even to the point of exhaustion. They gave out all effort mentally mentally. And physically and spiritually working hard for God. And Jesus applauded Ephesus for their hard work. He also applauds Thyatira for the same thing. Revelation 2, 19, I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance and that your latter works exceed the first. In other words, Jesus said to them, you're just working harder now than you were in the beginning. You're working harder now than when your legs were fresh. They were like that prize fighter, right? That steps into the ring and just gets stronger with every round. That's how Jesus described the church at Thyatira. Your works are even stronger than the first works. The more they worked for God, it was like the more for God they wanted to work. Relentless. And Jesus applauds these churches because they worked hard for God. Let me ask you, do you think Grace Life is a church that works hard for God? If Grace Life was characterized by how hard you work for God, would it be said that Grace Life is a church that works hard for God? Now, out of everybody in the room, I'm probably the most qualified to answer that question because I have a unique seat as pastor. My seat's about 10,000 feet up in the air. I kind of see the whole thing. In just one man's opinion, I would say, yeah, I think Grace Life is most definitely a church that works hard for God. I really don't think there's any question about that. You're working hard for God in so many different ways. In fact, I brought a gift in here today. Everybody gets a gift. It's like Oprah Day here today. Everybody gets a nut. Everybody gets a bolt. Whatever it is, you got a bolt or a nut, they're on your seat. Pastor Johnny brought these to me, and he said, hey, would you give these out to the church sometime? Uh, they're left over from the construction over at Shadow Lake when they were putting up the steel. I hope they were really left over um, and that they're not needed. I would suggest you hang on to them, and the day we first move in over there, bring yours just in case it's needed somewhere, Okay. But I wanted you to have one, you get to take it home with you today, maybe put it in that little square part of your console in your car, your truck, or put it on your desk at work, or put it on your bathroom counter, somewhere where you see that, and let it be a reminder to you that Jesus applauds a church that works hard for God, and that we want to be a church like that. And we want to be people like that. And we certainly have men and women that are working hard building that campus over there, but that's certainly not all the ways that people are working for God at Grace Life. You're, you're, you're making meals for people who've just had surgery or just suffered the loss of a loved one. You're caring for a child who needs that care. You're serving down at Save a Life or over at the Grace Place You're uh, cutting the uh, widow's grass or whatever it may be. The, the list is so long. And I just want to say what a joy it is to be the pastor of a church that has never been afraid to work hard for God. And that makes all the difference in the world. Now, we're not a perfect church. So our people who are here for the first time, oh, we are not a perfect church. But I do believe we're a church that works hard. Ephesus wasn't a perfect church, but they worked hard for God. Thyatira wasn't a perfect church. He'll tell them some of their faults when you read the text. But they were a church that works hard. And I think Jesus is still looking for a church that's devoted to working hard for God. And that's the kind of church that Jesus applauds. Secondly, Jesus applauds the church that won't quit on God. They won't quit on God. We live in a society today where it seems like it's really awfully easy for people just to quit. For people just to bail out when things get a little difficult or challenging or hard. To the church at Ephesus, Jesus says, Revelation 2 verse 3, I know you're enduring patiently. Listen to those words. Enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake. And you have not grown weary. The imagery there is that the church at Ephesus has this heavy burden on them, but they're not quitting They're not trying to throw it off. They're enduring patiently. They're bearing up. They're not growing weary. It would have been easier for them to quit. Life would have gotten a whole lot easier if they just said, we're going to go the way of Ephesus. But they didn't. They chose the hard path and they didn't quit. And Jesus applauds that. He applauds that tenacity at Thyatira and at Philadelphia. He applauds a church that doesn't quit on God. Now, I told you one of my favorite football stories. Now I want to show you one of my favorite clips from a football movie. And I want you to think about you. And if you came in here today thinking about quitting, quitting on you, quitting on God, quitting on your family, quitting on something, I want you to watch this.
1: That's not even funny, dude. So, coach, how strong is Westview this year?
0: A lot stronger than we are.
1: You already written Friday Night Down as a loss, Brock? Well, not if I know we could beat them. Come here, Brock. You too, Jeremy. What, am I in trouble now? Not yet. I want to see you do the death crawl again, except I want to see your absolute best. (laughs) What, you want me to go to the 30? I think you can go to the 50. The 50? I can go to the 50 if nobody's on my back. I think you can do it with Jeremy on your back. But even if you can, I want you to promise me you're going to do your best. All right. Your best. Okay. You going to give me your best? I'm going to give you my best. All right, one more thing. I want you to do it blindfolded. Why? Because I don't want you giving up at a certain point when you can go further. Get down. Jeremy, get on his back. Now get a good tight hold, Jeremy All right, let's go, Brock Keep your knees off the ground, just your hands and feet There you go, A a little bit left There you go, show me good effort Keep moving, Brock, that's it, that's it, that's it Keep going, I want everything you got Come on, keep going It hurts Don't quit on me your very best! Keep driving! Keep driving! There you go! There you go! He's heavy! I know I'm he's heavy. I'm buying strength! Then you negotiate with your body to find more strength, but don't you give up on me, Brock. You keep going, you hear me? You keep going, you're doing good, you keep going! Do not quit on me! You keep going! It hurt. I know it hurts, you keep going! You keep going. It's all hard from here. 30 more steps. You keep going, Brock. Come on. Keep going. Burn. And let it burn. The hours are burning. It's all hard. You keep going, Brock. Come on. Come on. Keep going. You promised me your best. Your best. Don't stop. Keep going. It's, hard. it's not too hard. You keep going. Come on, Brock. Give me more. Give me more. Keep going. 20 more steps. 20 more. Keep going, Brock. Give me your best. No, keep going, keep going, keep going, don't quit, don't quit, don't quit, Brock Kelly, you don't quit Keep going, keep going, go Brock Kelly, you don't quit on me. No, you keep going, you keep going, go rock, Ten more steps, ten more. ten more, Ten more, ten more, keep going, don't quit, give me your Quit! Don't quit! Come on, Brock! Two more! One more! Oh. It's got be 50. fifty. It's got fifty. I don't have any more. Look up, Brock. You're in the end zone.
0: You know, you may have walked in today. Really beat down and really discouraged. You've been through a hard season. Man, Jeff just bounced back from an injury and right into all this stuff going on. Dave just buried his wife week before last. We all got stories, and maybe you came in today just discouraged. This whole season we've been in, it's taken its toll probably more than we have wanted to admit to anybody else. And The Holy Spirit in you is saying, keep going. Keep going. Don't quit. Listen, if you're here today and you're at a really low place, would you tell somebody? And I want you to know God loves you, we love you, we care about you. You know, Roger Bowes, who runs our Celebrate Recovery ministry, he's had two men in the last couple of weeks that he's cared for in recovery that took their lives. So I want to say to you today, if you're in a dark place, don't quit. Listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit in, inside of you. He's going to get you home. He's going to get to... He's going to get you to your destination, and we're here to help you along in that journey. But don't quit. Don't stop. You're feeling weak. That's not a time to quit. Feeling weak is the time to worship, because God's strength is made known in our weakness. Jesus applauds a church that works hard for God, that doesn't quit on God. the church that walks by the Word of God. A church that walks by the word of God. He says to the church at Philadelphia, chapter 3, verse 8, I know your works. Behold, I've set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power. And yet, watch this, you've kept my word. You've kept my word. Philadelphia was a little small church. They didn't have a lot of power. They were probably a church family that had a lot of poverty among them. They were probably comprised of what you might call the lower class of their society. But they were strong and they were mighty in the word of God. No matter how hard the road before them got, they continued to walk step by step in obedience to the word of God. And Jesus applauds the church. That walks according to the word of God. When the popular thing like it is today is to interpret the Bible through culture. Grace Life, we've got to interpret culture through the lens of the Bible. We've got to be a church that hides the word of God in our hearts so that you, so we don't sin against him. So that our lives bring honor and glory to him. Jesus applauds a church that works hard for God. Right? You got that? This is what we're saying. Jesus applauds a church that works hard for God, that doesn't quit on God, that walks by the word of God. And number four, Jesus applauds a church that only wants glory for the name of God. That only wants glory for the name of God. A church that says that's all it's about. is God's glory. Not the glory of a church. Not the glory of a pastor. just the glory of Jesus. To the church at Ephesus, Jesus says, chapter 2, verse 3, I know that you're enduring patiently, bearing up why why for my name's sake to the church at pergamum chapter 2 verse 13 i know where you dwell where satan's throne is the church at pergamum jesus said you live in the very place where satan's throne is i don't know exactly all that that means i know i wouldn't want to live there jesus says you're in the thick of it and yet look what he says you hold fast to my name His name is what kept them going. And you did not deny my faith, even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was killed among you, where Satan dwells. Two times he says this is where Satan dwells, but he says to those people, you're living for my name. And Jesus applauds that. To the church at Philadelphia, chapter 3, verse 8, Jesus says, I know your works, behold, I've set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet... You've kept my word, and watch this, and have not denied my name. Even though they might could have escaped death if they had just denied the name of Jesus, they didn't. In fact, they could have chosen to make Jesus a little more socially acceptable to their society. And they could have lowered the banner of the name of Jesus just just low enough so it was acceptable to everybody. But they didn't. Instead, they continue to only lift the banner of the name of Jesus higher and higher. The glory of his name is what they live for, even if it costs them their life. And Jesus applauds a church like that. A church that works hard for God. A church that doesn't quit on God. A church that walks according to the word of God. And a church that lives for the glory of the name of God. And for that alone. One day, Grace Life. The dust is going to settle. And we're going to open our eyes. And what I pray that we see and hear is Jesus with nail scarred hands running to us. That's what I'm talking about. That is what I'm talking about. Bobby Jackson, that is what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Michael Hooks, that is what I'm talking about. Grace Life, that is what I'm talking about. And you may be sitting here and thinking, you know what, Pastor Joel, I don't think he'll ever say that to me because I have failed him so many times. And I've wasted so many years. I just need to remind you that your life is not defined by what you've done or what you have not done. Your life in Christ is defined by what he has done at the cross for you. Your past Now is insignificant. This moment is what matters. And this is a moment of turning your eyes to Jesus. Confessing where we may have sinned, repenting of that, and walking by faith with our eyes on Him. You say, what about working hard for Him? Well, that's going to flow out of keeping my eyes on Jesus. You say, what about not quitting on Him? That's going to flow out of keeping my eyes on Jesus. What about walking according to His word? That's going to flow out of keeping my eyes on Jesus. What about living only for the glory of His name? That's going to that's flow right out of just keeping my eyes on Jesus. You don't have to worry about doing those four things. You just got to do one thing. Just keep your eyes on Jesus. The Spirit of God will do those four things in you and through you when you just keep your eyes on Jesus. And what is stunning to me is that there will be a day then that He applauds His church. And He'll give rewards to the people in His church. And we're going to stand there and go, Jesus, this is really amazing that you would applaud us and give us rewards. But you know what? I was dead in my sin, and you saved me. You put your Holy Spirit in me. Any good thing that happened in my life wasn't me, but it was you. And so I want to turn around, and I'm going to give you this applause to the one that deserves it. That's you, Jesus. And whatever crown you might have given me, I'm going to lay it at your feet, because you're the only one worthy. It's yours. My calling in this life and your calling in this life is to simply to live it with our eyes on jesus until he brings us home jesus we thank you for your great grace why you would rescue sinners i will never fully know why you would go beyond that and give us your name give us your spirit give us gifts give us opportunities accomplish eternal things through us. The one who spoke the world into existence would choose to work in us and through us. You did not need to do that. But that's the way you chose to work. And we want to be a church and we want to be people that are pleasing in your sight. To think that there could be a day that you would Put your hands together and celebrate what you've seen in us. is exciting and it's motivating. But if we do those things in our own strength, then that's not pleasing to you. But with our eyes on you, you doing those things by the work of your spirit in us and through us, that is pleasing to you. So we've not come here today to hear a message that says work harder. And don't quit. Do this and do that. Today's message is really keep your eyes on Jesus. And he'll do that in you. And he'll do that through you. God, I pray for those today who maybe walked in heavy hearted. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you're at work to lift burdens as only you can. Our eyes have been on the news. Our eyes have been on social media. Our eyes have been on what is going on in the world around us. But this is the moment to get our eyes on Jesus. Holy Spirit, help us do that. We ask it in Jesus' name. Let's stand, church. Let's sing this to our soul. Let's sing it to those around us. Let's sing it to a watching and a listening world. Here's the advice we have to give. Turn your eyes on Jesus. Amen? Look full in His wonderful.